Thank you for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. We're excited that you came across this message and are tuning in. We just wanna make you aware of a couple things before we get to the sermon. First, we'd love to connect with you. You can follow us on our social networks by searching at Hope Church LV. Also, be sure to check out our website, hopechurchonline.com. There, you can find out more information about who we are and where we are headed as a church. Once again, thank you for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. Please let us know if there's any questions you have or any way we can come alongside you and your family. Enjoy the message. When writing about the Word of God, David Platt said this in his book, Radical Together. At all times, you and I have his message to us in all its power, authority, clarity, and might. We don't have to work to come up with a word from God. We simply have to trust the word he has already given to us. When we do, the word of God will accomplish the work of God among his people. It forms and fulfills, motivates and mobilizes, equips and empowers, leads and directs the people of God in the church for the plan of God in the world. For the past five Sundays, we have been in dependence on God and trusting in the authority of his word. We have been walking through one chapter of scripture in a series that we have entitled Deep Dive. And our aim in this series is to go really deep into the 145th chapter in the book of Psalms. This chapter is loaded with glorious truth about the person and the character of God. And I want to take just a moment as we begin and bring everyone up to speed. Because thus far in this series, we have walked through verses 1 through 9. And David, who is writing this psalm, has shared with us 15 characteristics about God. Now, you can go on our website and all of the sermons are there for free. But what I want to do very quickly is share with you a summary of where we have been in this series, specifically the 15 things about God that we have discovered. So let's look at this summary. In week one, we learned that God is God. It all begins with him and it's all about him. He is creator and king of everything that exists. There is no one and no thing above or beyond him. Yet, as God, he's knowable, desiring a personal relationship with each of us. In week two, we learn that God is great and active from generation to generation. We went on in week three to learn that his word and creation reveal that he is awesome, good, and righteous. God is eternal in his existence and unchanging in his nature. He is both gracious to give more than we deserve and merciful to withhold what we do deserve. And last week we learned that even when we are unfaithful, 
God remains slow to anger and great in loving kindness. Because God is in complete control every moment of every day, humanity enjoys the divine gift of God being good to all. This is our God. So David has shared those things with us in the first nine verses of Psalm 145. And then he makes a transition. And he begins to talk about our response to this great God. In essence, after writing about the greatness of God, he goes on to acknowledge the great praise that our God deserves. So take your copy of the scripture and turn with me to the book of Psalms, chapter 145. Now, Pastor Teddy has already led us in a time to quote our verses from this past week, which were Psalm 145, verses 10 through 12. This upcoming week, we're going to be memorizing verse 13 in this chapter. So I hope you will take the card that was in your seat when you sat down and memorize together with us as a church, Psalm 145, verse 13, this upcoming week, and we will all quote it together next Sunday. So let's read these verses this morning. Verse 10. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and your godly ones shall bless you. And they they shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk about your power to make known to the sons of men your mighty acts and the glory of the majesty of your kingdom. And then verse 13. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And your dominion endures throughout all generations. There have been a couple of questions that we've been asking throughout this series. We've been asking, what do these verses tell us about God? And how should we respond to who he is? For the past two weeks, Pastor Vance has taught from verses 8 and 9, really sharing with us multiple characteristics about who God is. So during our time together today, we're going to wrestle with this question. How should we respond to who he is? And what I want to do during our time together is share with you three biblical responses to who God is. And all three come right out of the verses that we just read. Here's the first one. In response to who, God, who he is, we should Thank God. The first biblical response that we see in this passage of Scripture is thanksgiving. In response to who he is, we should thank God. Verse 10 opens by saying, All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord. This first phrase in verse 10, David is using a Hebrew phrase that stresses the recognition of a fact. And here's the fact. All creation is to give thanks and praise to God. Everything God made was designed to bring him glory. And one of the ways that his creation brings him glory is by offering him praise and thanksgiving. I spent 22 years of my life living in the southeast United States. And there was a lot that went into that experience living there for so many years. But one of the things that really shaped me from early on in my life is I was taught 
that I was to have good manners. And so as far back as I can remember, all the way to this moment right now, I use phrases like, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, excuse me, I say please, I say thank you. And now I find myself as a parent of three little girls trying to teach them to have good manners. And specifically with my daughter, Scarlett, um, I've tried to teach her as she's been in conversation with other people that she should use those phrases and those words. Uh, But while over the past few months, I've noticed a couple times that someone will give her a gift or a piece of candy or some type of food, but it's not necessarily what she wants. And so after they give it to her, I'll say, Scarlett, what do you say? And she'll look at me like, and she'll look at the person and say, thank you. (laughs) Here's what I've learned about good manners. You can fake it. (laughs) There can be something coming out of your mouth that you don't necessarily mean in your heart. When it comes to this reality of thanksgiving in verse 10, the Bible is not telling us to simply have good manners when it comes to God. It is much, much deeper than that. The scripture here is talking about a response to who God is that moves us and affects us at the heart level. It's a depth of gratitude that is expressed when we consider who God is and what he has done. It's not only an Old Testament principle, it's also a New Testament principle. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, the Bible says this. I'm going to read from the Amplified Version of the Bible. Scripture says, In every situation, no matter what the circumstances, be thankful and continually give thanks to God, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. In response to that verse, Major Ian Thomas wrote what I believe to be one of the most challenging statements that I've ever come across in my journey. Major Ian Thomas said this, If in any situation you are not prepared to give thanks, you are out of the will of God. Now, I wish I could stand before you today and say, I've got this mastered. I don't. It's a struggle. But one of the ways that we are to respond to who God is, is by thanking and praising him. So as we consider this first biblical response, I want to ask you a question just to chew on in your heart today. Here's the question. Is my response to who God is a life of thanksgiving and praise? As you think about your life, as you think about your heart, is your response to who God is, all the things we've talked about, is your response a life that is overflowing with thanksgiving and praise. That's the first response we see in these verses. Here's the second response. In response to who he is, we should submit to God. We should thank God. We should also submit to God. The next phrase in verse 10 says this, Your godly ones shall Bless you. Now, the first response relates to all of God's creation. 
But this second response is specific to those he has redeemed. David says, godly ones. So what are those godly ones to do? They are to bless God. The word bless is a word that is used four times in this psalm. And it means to bless verbally. It's the idea of bending your knee in order to bless someone else. It implies the idea of submitting oneself to another. A second response that we're to have in light of who God is, is we're to submit to him. So here's the progression in verse 10. We are not only to thank God for his general work in creation, we are to submit to his word and will as people who have been redeemed by his grace. You see, it doesn't stop with thanking him. It progresses to a point of submitting to him. The great C.H. Spurgeon said this about the second half of verse 10. If we praise Jehovah because of his works around us, we must go on to bless him for his works within us. So as we think about submitting to the Lord, I want to ask you another question just to evaluate your life and where things are. The response is we're to submit to God. So here's the question. Is my response to who God is a life submitted to his word and his will? And I think there are multiple ways that can apply to us today. For example, there may be some people here, and as you think about submitting to God, For you, it may be a relationship in your life that you know right now is not right. And it's been on your heart. It's been in your mind. And God has been impressing on you to go make it right. But rather than submitting to that, you've been resisting it. And God has brought you here today for this moment to really shine a light on the fact that for you to fully submit to his word and his will, you need to go make that relationship right today. For other people, for you, it may be uh, a sinful attitude or act. And God has convicted you over that, but you've kind of just been ignoring it and pushing it away. But you realize in this moment, in response to who he is, in order to fully submit to his word and his will, you need to confess that sin and repent of that sin. Or maybe another example is maybe for you, It's an act of obedience. And there's some way, some form God has been impressing on your heart to leverage your time, talent, and treasure to be more involved in his mission. But you've been resisting. You've been putting it off. And in this moment, you realize your response to God needs to be full submission and a step of obedience into whatever that may be to be more involved in what God is doing around the world. As you think about your life, is your response to who God is a life submitted to his word and his will? A third and final biblical response that we see in these verses is this. We should share about God. We should thank him. We should submit to him. And we should share about him. In verses 11 through 13, the psalmist clarifies this response by saying that we are to reveal who he is to the world. Well, how do we do that? Well, by speaking about him. Verse 11 uses two words, speak 
talk. So we're to thank him, and that's to get deeper by submitting to him. And out of the overflow of what he's doing in us, we are to verbalize about God to other people. Well, what are we to talk about? Well, the scripture here in this passage tells us several things that should be the content of our message as we talk about God. First of all, we're to speak about the mission of God. We're to respond to him by speaking about him. One of the things we're to speak about is the mission of God. The kingdom of God is mentioned four separate times in verses 11 through 13. As followers of Jesus, we have been invited to join in the mission of God. And we're to leverage our skills, our resources, and our time for the sake of that mission. We say this all the time at Hope, but the mission God's invited us into, his activity, is so much bigger than just Hope Church. God has invited us to join him in taking the gospel to every tribe, tongue, people, and nation on the planet. That is a big, big mission. Now, you may be here and maybe you're new to Hope or you come from a different background from a church standpoint, and you're asking yourself, okay, if what we've been called to is so much bigger than Hope Church, where does Hope Church fit in? Because, Pastor, I was thinking that the mission was really just showing up here on Sunday for an event. So if you could clarify that for me, I'd be happy to. I want to give you a statement to really clarify where the local church fits in in the context of God's big kingdom. The local church exists to teach people about the king, disciple them in kingdom living, and launch them out to join in God's kingdom activity. God has called us together as a community to see disciples made, people who understand what it means to live on mission, to join in God's activity. And this is a launching pad to send people all over the world to join in what God is doing. And here's what I know. If the mission of God is the priority it should be for us as his people, we're going to tell others about it. Uh, June and July this summer, we're sending out nine teams, nine go time teams all over the world. And we've had one that has already gone and come back, and this, that team was going to South Africa. So they returned, and one of the members of that team was a lady named Ashley. I want to show you a picture of Ashley. This is her actually on the field there in South Africa. And this week, somebody showed me a post that she made on Instagram specifically about her trip that I think really reflects this idea of communicating about the mission of God. Here's what she said. Here's a part of her post. God is awesome. I need to warn you, I just returned from my first missions experience and I am on fire for God. I met so many people who were incredibly different than me. I serve with those who have far less, meaning finances, and far more, meaning joy, than me. And I got to see what life in another township of God's people across the world looks like. She said, I slept with critters and walked with elephants. I left my family, my schedule, my community, and my comfort zone to try something I knew God was calling me to. I did things I didn't know I could, 
and was stretched in ways I didn't expect. My team went from the Focus Africa Missions Conference straight to Vacation Bible School with local South African children of all tongues to assisting women with cheese and sewing beautiful pieces and the men building homes for the grateful. I was able to use my hands and heart to heal a few aches, fevers, and boo-boos along the way. Words can't express how my life has changed. Now, here's what I love about that. That wasn't manufactured. That is a response to who God is and what he's doing among the peoples of the earth. One of the things as we share about God, one of the things we should share about is the mission of God. Something else that we should share about is the might of God. Both in verse 11 and 12, there's a reference to this. In verse 11, the psalmist uses the word power, which literally means strength or might. This word focuses on the all-inspiring character of the one possessing it. Then in verse 12, we see the phrase mighty acts. You see, not only does God possess power, but God does powerful things. Now, as we read these verses, here's something that should stand out to us. David is writing about the kingdom of God and the mission, but laced within that are multiple references to the power of God. Because the reality is we won't see the kingdom of God being expanded apart from the power of God being demonstrated. As you and I engage in God's mission, in order to see movement, we must have the power of God in us and through us. Let me ask you something today. When was the last time you began a conversation with this phrase? I have to tell you what God did. Think about your conversations over the past weeks and months. When's the last time you had a conversation and it started with, hey, I know you're busy, but I have to tell you what God did. That's an indication that you are seeing his power in your life and through your life. My family and I just got back from a couple of weeks of vacation. And a part of that was spent in Southern California. And one night, um, my daughter Scarlett, who's five, and my daughter Reagan, who's three, we were kind of in this big grassy area, and we were just playing tag. So we were running around, and at one point, Reagan, my three-year-old, she was it. And so she came running at me to tag me, and I just kind of instinctively jumped over her. Now, before you think that is a phenomenal athletic feat, she's like two foot tall, so it's not a big deal. But I jumped over Reagan, and she just kept running, and I landed, and I looked over, and I saw Scarlett. And no joke, the look on her face was this. Because literally, she had never seen anybody do that before, jumping over another person. And if I could have captioned her face at that moment, here's what I would have wrote. My dad can do anything. Like, that was the moment. In the context of the local church, do we have a look on our face that says, our dad can do anything. 
You see, God is not just powerful on paper. It is a biblical reality that our God is all-powerful. And we can not only read about it, but we can talk about it from our experience. Earlier this year, I was in South Asia, and I was training a group of missionaries, and I asked them a question because we were talking about the power of God. And I want to ask you that same question today. Here's what I asked them. If every prayer that you are praying right now in your spiritual journey was answered, how different would the world be? You see, I'm not content as a follower of Jesus just to leverage all my prayers for good weather and a blessing over the food I eat. If that's all we're praying for, do we really believe that our dad can do anything? I think it's a great indicator for each of us as it relates to the power of God. What kind of prayers are we praying? And do we realize we are praying to a mighty God who is all powerful? As we speak about him to others, we should talk about his grand mission that we've been invited into. And we should talk about his might and his power that we get to experience on a personal level. Here's the third thing that the scripture says we're to talk about as we share about God. The majesty of God. The word majesty here is a word that describes beauty that causes people to be awestruck. Beauty that causes people to be awestruck. I had the privilege yesterday of officiating a wedding for a couple in our church. And it actually took place in this room. And what I've come to find very interesting as, as I officiate weddings is, you know, there's the moment when the bride begins to walk down the aisle. And everybody stands up. And all the attention is directed towards the bride. What I like to do in those moments is I like to watch the groom watch the bride. And yesterday specifically was a situation where the groom had not seen the dress and had not seen the bride prior to the ceremony yesterday. And so as the bride began to walk down the aisle, I began to watch the groom and his face began to glow because from his perspective, he was looking at majesty, beauty that had left him awestruck. And the Bible is telling us here that as the people of God, we should be so awestruck and in adoration of our God that the natural overflow is to talk about it and to so fix our eyes on who he is that in everyday conversation, we cannot help but brag and share about the beauty of Of our God. We're to talk about his mission. We're to talk about his might. We're to talk about his majesty. We should be people who with our lips. Speak of the mission of God. The might of God. And the majesty of God. So when it comes to a response to him. And speaking about who he is. Let me ask you this question. Just to consider today. 
as we try to apply these verses. Is my response to who God is a life that is speaking about him to others? On a regular basis, are there things flowing out of you, communicating about who God is and what he has done in your life? So those are three biblical responses today to who God is. We're to thank him, we're to submit to him, and we're to share about him. Now, before we move to a time of response this morning, I want to take just a moment and speak to those who are here today who do not have a relationship with Jesus. If you're here and you know that you've heard us talk about God, you've heard us talk about a relationship with God, but you know in your journey you don't have a relationship with God, I want you to hear me say this. There are a lot of people who make the mistake of thinking that because they know some facts in their head about the Bible or about church, that maybe they're somehow right with God. That could not be further from the truth. The Bible tells us that we're not to know facts about God. We're to know him in a personal love relationship. And if you're here today and you desire that, you desire to take a step of faith. I want you to know this. God loves you. He loves you. The problem is, as humanity, as the world, we are fallen and we are broken because of sin. And that sin separates us from a relationship with God. But because God loves us so much, he sent his son Jesus to the earth. And Jesus lived a perfect life. And he went to a cross and he was killed as a substitute for our sin, to pay the penalty for our sin. And three days after he was killed, he was brought back to life by the power of God. And he was given all authority to give eternal life to all of those who put their faith and trust in him. So today, more than you need to respond to anything else, you need to respond, respond to the gospel and to the love of God. I want to invite everyone here today to bow your head. We're going to transition to just a time of response. As you sit there before the Lord, what's God saying to you today? How is God speaking to you? If you're here and you recognize that you don't have a relationship with God, but you desire that. In just a moment, we're going to stand and sing a song of response together. And we have some pastors who are going to be here at the front near the stage. And we would love to connect you with someone who can show you from the Bible how you can be saved. All you have to do is step out of your seat, come down one of the aisles and just say, I need Jesus. And we'll take it from there. For others of us who know Jesus... How's God speaking to you? Maybe this morning you've recognized that your heart has grown a little hard and you are not overflowing with thanksgiving and praise in response to who God is. So maybe during this time as we sing together, you just want to take time there in your seat just to thank God, to praise God, and let that be the overflow of your life. 
Maybe what is really significant for you today has to do with submission to him. There's a relationship you know that needs to be made right. There's a sin you need to confess and forsake. Maybe there's a step of obedience that God has put inside of you that you've been resisting. And today's the day to say, you know what, Lord? Yes. Whatever, whenever, however. Yes. Possibly you're recognizing this morning that when it comes to just your everyday conversation, you don't talk about the Lord. You need to ask God today to say, Lord, would you allow the overflow of my heart to be your mission, how powerful you are, how beautiful you are. Lord, would you allow that to come out of my mouth on a regular basis? I don't know how God's directing you, but our pastors are going to be here. We'd love to pray for you. Maybe you want to come to these steps here on the stage and just make it an altar where you just spend some time before the Lord talking to him through prayer. Whatever way God is speaking to you, my challenge is today to respond to that. So Lord, these moments belong to you. We have this time at the end of almost every service because we believe it's important. Before we just transition out of here and jump into the day, we really need to consider what you're saying to us. What you want to do, what you want to change, how you want to lead. So God, we do that in this moment. I pray that you would give grace to every person here. God, to apply these principles, to ask the hard questions, and God, to pursue you above everything else. God, direct this time, we pray. In Jesus' name.